Hello everyone. Thanks for listening to Come Follow Me Insights with Taylor and Tyler presented by Scripture Central. We use a lot of visuals in our videos, so if you want to see the visuals, we invite you to find us on YouTube. Thanks for listening and enjoy. I'm Taylor. And I'm Tyler. Welcome to a new year of Come Follow Me Insights with Scripture Central. And you'll notice we're doing a couple of things differently as we begin this new year. We've, we've got new paint and a new set design. And did you notice a new name? No longer called Book of Mormon Central, but Scripture Central. We love all the scriptures, and so our intention is to invite all of us to learn from the living prophets as well as from past prophets. And Book of Mormon Central over the years has been doing a lot of work in the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Doctrine and Covenants. With specific emphasis on the Book of Mormon, we realized it would make more sense for us to represent that we are about centralizing all the best good there is from the scriptures. And in addition to these videos that we produce each week, and, and by the way, we're going to try something a little different where we produce two slightly shorter videos each week, but in addition to that, there's a lot more happening here at Scripture Central. Yeah, we encourage you to look up the website Scripture Central. You'll find lots of resources that we have organized and curated for your learning benefit. Also check out the Scripture Plus app that has been built over the years with the intention of helping people immerse themselves in the scriptures and find guidance along the way from the words of prophets and from faithful scholars. We've built an app to encourage faithful engagement with the scriptures and the gospel. You can find Scripture Plus on the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. We also have a YouTube channel called Messages of Christ. This channel has beautiful videos to help you to visualize and see the reality of scriptures, particularly from the Old and New Testament. And as we finish uh, our Old Testament year and now begin our New Testament year, we want to uh, bring some attention to the fact that everything that happens here at Scriptural Central is made possible by, by generous donors. So we would just say thank you to those of you who have, have donated not just of, of money, but in some cases time as well to help with these efforts. It's been so heartwarming to see such a large group of people get so enthusiastic about supporting the cause of scripture study, gospel engagement, and gospel living. So thank you. Thank you to all of you, and thank you to our donors. So as we're ready to dive in, our first lesson actually is focused on helping us find purpose in our role as a learner as a student of the gospel, and what we're going to do is actually do two separate episodes this week, the first one on that topic of us being responsible for our own learning, and the second one being focused on uh, the intertestamental period, what happened between the Old and the New Testament so that when we do hit the ground next week, we can be running with some better understanding of the culture and the political environment that now we get the New Testament coming out of that world, the languages, the different sects of Judaism at the time, the, the different gospel writers, who they were, what we know about them, what their audience was, and so that'll be the second episode today. So when we talk about learning, this is really important. We spend a lot of important time in the church talking about teachers and trying to become better teachers, with often looking to Jesus as the prime example of a great teacher. What's interesting is how the church has also been emphasizing how important it is to be a learner. 
And sometimes we go to church and we get an important experience where we are taught by faithful, engaged teachers. I know sometimes in my own life, I'm so busy passively being taught that I forget I have an active role to also be a learner. And I had an important lesson taught to me some years ago by uh, a very good friend of mine from Brigham Young University. His name was Russ Oscarthorpe. And he ran a seminar one day with a bunch of students in the School of Education. And he asked people for their definition of what does it mean to learn? And you can imagine a School of Education. This is like everyone's got an opinion, usually pretty well informed about what it means to be a learner. So everyone's raising their hands, throwing out all sorts of ideas, lots of great ideas. Now, what was so fascinating to me was that Russ, in one sentence, redefined learning in a way that I had never seen in eight years of graduate study. He said, those are all great definitions. Let me add an additional definition. His definition was this, learning is becoming more like God. And that was so mind-altering and, and soul-expanding for me. And he went through a couple of exercises. He would say, all right, is sin a form of learning? And the answer is no, but repentance is. Sin takes you away from God, but repentance draws you closer to God to become more like him. That's learning. Suppose you learn how to paint. You're becoming more like God in your creative abilities. Perhaps you're an accountant or are really great with numbers. And if you are doing those things, building, making things have more order and clarity, that's becoming like God. You could go through the list. And I have found that particular definition of learning to be extremely helpful in my personal life and when I try to encourage other people to also be learners and to take advantage of the gift of agency so they can choose to become like God. I love that, Taylor, because it's empowering for us to see our scripture study time or our going to church or going to a church learning setting, a class, as an invitation to come unto Christ and to become more like God in that process rather than just that checklist mentality of, yeah, I need to go to this class or I need to go to this family home evening or I need to study my scriptures today. It becomes a quest of, no, I, I want to discover more of who God is and have him invite him to become more a part of my life so that it doesn't just become a catalog of facts and figures and dates and places and people and, and all of these things in your brain that don't translate into anything meaningful. So as you approach your learning, we want to be more like the Savior, which is be wise, not just knowledgeable. Put it into practice to help you to become more like God. You were telling me about a model that you find really useful about the teaching and learning relationship. Yeah, so if, if you look at this, you have, you have teachers and learners here, and if we're not careful, we'll go into a teaching setting or a learning setting and we'll feel like a victim from either side. So the teacher might go in and say, oh, I, I really have a lame class. These students don't, don't want to learn. They, they won't answer my questions. They won't even read when I ask them to. They won't share any of their thoughts or feelings. And, and a teacher can very quickly feel like a victim. And sometimes learners can feel like a victim where they're sitting there saying, oh, this is so boring this speaker or this teacher or this leader is so dry or so unprepared or whatever, whatever adjective they want to put on that teacher, 
and if we're not careful, we can feel like victims rather than partners in this incredible opportunity to engage with truth, with light, with knowledge and intelligence that God has given us through the scriptures and the words of living prophets and leaders of the church to say, we're in this together, let's ascend. Now, here's the amazing thing to me, the Holy Ghost is the only true teacher in those classroom settings or in those companionship studies or in those family home evenings, whatever the learning environment might be, and he gets his message from the Lord, hear him is the invitation, and so if teachers can hear the Lord's words delivered by the Holy Ghost and learners can hear the voice of the, the Lord through the Holy Ghost, now you'll notice that these two were on the same level. <laughs> when you walk into a classroom to teach or when you're in a home setting, you're standing on the same ground as the student is. We're, we're all in this together. Taylor and I standing here even looking at a camera, we're, we're on the same level. We're, we're in mortality with you. We're not above. Teachers aren't above the learner. We're together. So our invitation is if you're teaching or if you're learning, especially because we're all learning, is to have this arrow firmly in place, because if I go into a setting and I am praying and my heart and mind are focused on the Lord, and then I appropriately turn to sources that are going to connect me more fully with the Lord, I'm no longer a victim. I'm no longer an object waiting to be acted upon by a teacher, whether he or she may be really good or really underprepared or, or less engaging. I can still have an amazing experience if that arrow is in place. And what an amazing, profound thing it is when the teacher goes into those settings with a full connection to heaven and the learners are fully connected with heaven and we connect with each other. The Doctrine and Covenants section 88 talks about that we are edified together. That is the ideal gospel learning setting, this little, this little triangle here. So the reality is, is I'm never going to learn anything from anybody that's really going to connect me with heaven without the help of the Holy Ghost in that process, just like I'm never going to teach anything that matters without the help of the Holy Ghost in that process. We need all parts of these arrows in place. This is a great model, and what's beautiful is that any one of us can do this. You don't need any specialized training. You just need faith in God and a willingness to act on your testimony that God has a Son, Jesus Christ, who's been sent to save us, and the Holy Ghost can witness of those things. So in this teaching and learning relationship, we can strengthen relationships through the Holy Ghost. Let's share a little bit of, of what the word teacher means from the etymology. This is what I think is fascinating. Uh, the ancient meaning for the word teacher means to show or to point out. In fact, it comes related to a word for finger. So imagine if you're out somewhere and you see something interesting and you want to show it to people, you point them to something. Now, what's interesting is the teacher is not pointing at themselves. They're not the object. A good teacher points people to greater truths and realities. What's also fascinating is a really important word in our language that comes from the same word for teacher is the word token. 
Now, tokens are signs or symbols that represent greater truths or greater realities. So a teacher in some ways is a representation of Jesus, a token or symbol of Jesus pointing us to greater realities that we can be led into God's presence. So for those who are being called to be teachers or you're a parent or any kind of teaching situation, you might think to yourself, what can I be doing to point out truths and realities or help people see tokens or symbols of truths that will help them draw closer to God? On the flip side, as a learner, how can I make sure that I show up ready to be shown new ideas, new concepts, or new ways of seeing things, or to be reminded of things I already know? For example, when I left on my mission, my older brother uh, had just gotten home and he met me at the airport. We had 45 minutes together over four years. And I still remember my brother Brad Halverson taught me this principle. He says, you know, Taylor, you'll get on your mission and you will teach some deeply important truths. But what you'll discover is you won't be teaching anything that you have not heard repeated at church again and again and again. So if your job is not simply to be teaching new things all the time, why do we repeat ourselves? Why do we go to church to hear repeated lessons? It's because, again, we want to be shown who God is. We want teachers to point that out. So as a learner, you should go ready and prepared to not only receive new truths, but expect to be hearing repeated truths that are essential for your salvation. So can I use a, a little analogy here for a minute? If Let's talk about barrels and thimbles for a moment. Picture in your mind the, the sacrament meeting speaker or the, the Relief Society teacher or the ministering brother who puts in great amounts of preparation spiritually, intellectually, they study it out, they pray about it, and they come into that teaching setting with a barrel full of preparation. They have a lot to offer, a lot to give, and they come into a classroom with learners who aren't doing what Taylor just described. They come in with a little thimble of preparation. Maybe they're sitting there with that look on their face of, go ahead, just try to teach me something. This is all lame. Well, it doesn't matter how much the teacher's prepared, the learner is going to walk away with a thimble of edification, of instruction, of, of knowledge. Now, watch the opposite scenario for a, minute, for a minute. What do you do when you find yourself in a, in a meeting where the person maybe didn't bring a barrel full of preparation? What if the teacher brought a thimble full of preparation or the speaker, all they put into it was that much? To me, the miracle that takes place in that kind of a setting is that if the learner only focuses on what the teacher or the speaker lacks rather than on what the Lord has to offer, then you're right, you're only going to walk away with a thimble. But if the learner comes in with the right mindset, with a barrel full of preparation spiritually, it's the Holy Ghost who fills that barrel, regardless of what's happening at the pulpit or at the front of the room. And it's this idea that we no longer need to be victims, so to speak, 
of whatever is going to come to present to us and what he or she has done in their preparation, it's all about us being 100% responsible for our own learning. Elder Lynn G. Robbins gave an amazing talk a couple years ago in Education Week about be 100% responsible in all, all aspects of life, but I love it, especially in this setting, as a learner to say, I am not a victim, I am an agent who can act, who can go to the Lord and get revelation, and that changes something when you're sitting in a sacrament meeting and somebody's talk gets a little bit long and a little bit difficult and you look across the audience and people are struggling, instead of then finding fault with the teacher or the speaker, you can pray for that speaker. You can engage that speaker with your own eyes and with a smile and with encouragement, and you can establish a better connection for the Holy Ghost to be able to benefit everybody, not just you and the speaker. I'm going to build on this. So I spent uh, part of my career doing professional development for teachers, which frankly was extremely intimidating. I have never defined myself as an excellent teacher. I just got put in situations where I had to do it or I had to train other people how to be teachers. And my first boss, Russ Oscar Thorpe, who I mentioned before, helped me kind of transform my thinking about how to empower more teachers. And he taught me some really interesting principles. He said, for example, when we get into a teaching and learning environment, what happens sometimes is a teacher spends so much time thinking about themselves, they forget that their job is to serve learners. Now look, as Tyler mentioned, if the teacher shows up unprepared, it can be a problem for learners who are unprepared. A great teacher can really help learners who possibly are, haven't fully prepared and might need some guidance and help. So here's a phrase that I think is interesting. I don't think we're ever going to get rid of the word teacher. I think it has too many fascinating connections, but I like the phrase learning designer, if we can get that on the board. Now, this is not going to roll off the tongue in the future for most people, I'm sure, but one of the roles of a teacher is to design a learning experience that can help a learner become something more than when they arrived. And when I would do teacher development, I would help them to think about that their role is not simply a teacher, that's part of the learning design. But if a good teacher can begin first by thinking not about what they should be doing as a teacher, but who the learner needs to become, what they need to know and do, and if you start there, that informs what you should be doing as a teacher. So I think great teachers embed themselves within a framework of learning design. And again, it's very simple. You always begin with, who am I trying to serve? What do they need? And based on what the needs of the learner are, that should invite the teacher to then respond. So wherever you are in your teaching and learning, always ask yourself, what can I be doing as a learner to improve myself? As a teacher, what can I be doing to help more people learn and grow and get access to the source of truth? And on that note, from my experience, the greatest teachers I've ever been blessed by, there's a common thread among all of them. They were exceptional learners. The best teachers are made from the best students of the scriptures. I think you could say the same thing about leadership. The best leaders are made from the best disciples, the best followers, and if you look at our perfect, ultimate, 
example of all, Jesus Christ, there was nobody who learned better than him, who, who was a more model, perfect student than Jesus Christ, and there was nobody who was a better disciple or follower or obedient to the commandments than Jesus Christ. Consequently, he becomes the master teacher, the best, the, the greatest teacher of all time, and the greatest leader of all time because he was so good at mastering this side first. It's pretty hard to, to draw water from a well that you haven't spent time putting any digging efforts into. Amen to that. I want to share a story from some years ago. I was taking my daughter to preschool, and as I dropped her off, I was walking out the door, and there was a sign on the wall, and it said, Rules for Learning. It was very interesting. I'd never seen anything like this before. And it had the rules for the kids. It was a big, long list. I'll just share some of the words that showed up for the kids. Run, jump, dig, explore, talk, build, hammer, paint, tear down, imagine, sing, wonder, measure, ponder, be alone, examine, experiment. I could go on. A really long list. I'm like, man, that sounds like fun. I, I should get into this preschool. Then after that, it said rules for parents. There were two rules, watch and listen, or observe and listen. I was shocked. I dropped my daughter off at preschool. Later that day, I was teaching a large class of 250 students. What were the students doing? They were watching me and observing me. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Great teachers can empower and inspire students. But I realized what I was hoping for the students was for them to get in an experiment in life and to do things, and I had spent my time and I designed the learning environment around them watching and observing me. Now again, good coaching, you need that. You need to model for learners how to do things and give them feedback on performance. Then I started thinking about God. I thought about this whole plan of salvation. What does he do? He watches and observes. And he's there for us to give us guidance and feedback. And what does he ask us to do? To do all these things. And so as you think about the learning environments that you can control or manage or contribute to as a teacher or particularly as a parent, ask yourself, are you designing a learning experience that empowers people to use their agency to experiment and experience life, or are they simply and only watching you and listening to you, which are not bad things. But I just find it fascinating that in all of human history, most of God's time and effort has been to lay the groundwork to empower us to do, to try, to experiment, to learn. So the ironic thing here is we're talking to you, we're, we're putting things on the board in this setting, not so that you can become intellectually more engaged in these topics, but so that you can learn whatever you need to learn to be able to motivate you to take those next steps. I'm reminded of a talk that Elder Jeffrey R. Holland gave many years ago called Therefore What? And his whole point was that at the end of invigorating discussions among the, the members of the Quorum of the Twelve, he said President Boyd K. Packer, who at the time presided over that quorum, he said he would let the, the, the apostles have this discussion, and then he said he would lean forward at the end of these long discussions, and he would say, brethren, therefore, what? That's a really important question if we're going to take responsibility for our own learning, is 
to keep asking that question, therefore what? How does this translate? How does this become part of me? Uh, many years ago, when Elder Neil A. Maxwell was the Commissioner of Education for the Church Educational System, speaking of gospel learning, he said there are three things necessary in every gospel learning setting in order for it to really make a difference, to, to help us, empower us to become who we need to become. And he said those three things that are required are verity, for those of you who don't know that word, it's truth, teach that which is true, relevancy, and urgency. So it's not enough just to teach the truth. We could, we could fill hours of teaching you true things that have absolutely nothing to do with you and there's zero relevance and it's not going to help you. It's going to be very difficult for you to take that therefore what step. So it's important that we teach truth, that we don't teach all of the philosophies of, of the world and, and get caught up in the movements on social media. We teach truth as found in the scriptures and the words of living prophets and from divine sources, but we also teach them in a way and we in, engage with them as learners in a way where we can look for and discover the relevancy of those truths to see how they actually apply to us. And it's not just relevancy in the, oh yeah, that's a good, I can see how that might apply to me 20 years from now. It's the idea of we need to help our students now. I need to find answers today. I'm going to add to this. Sometimes in teaching and learning and education, we do a lot of just-in-case teaching. I'm going to teach you something because maybe somewhere in the future you might need it versus what Tyler is teaching and echoing from our beloved apostle is what's called just-in-time. Teach people what they need. Can you imagine if you have somebody who's starving and you gave them the wrong kind of food or you said, by the way, let me tell you all about Thanksgiving <laughs> and it's July, right? Like that's just in case. Just in time would be, oh my gosh, we're going to get you on fluids and and, and, and food that you can actually con consume and deal with right now. This is crucially important, and the adversary is really good at distracting us around things that aren't relevant or definitely not urgent, let alone the things that aren't true. So this is an important, important model. So anyone who's teaching out there, uh, your, your own kids or ministering or you're a teacher in the church, this is a very useful model to ask yourself, Am I teaching things that will move the needle for people's faithful engagement to God? So continuing on the theme of teaching and not forgetting that teaching is in the service of learning, good teachers do two things. Another way of looking at teaching, we've shown a couple different models. They inspire learners to take action and they empower learners with skills so those actions are meaningful and profitable. So as you think about your, if you're a teacher, the teaching environment that you can contribute to is your role simply to inspire them to action. Now, in some cases in, in church, that's what we're focusing on, and that's totally fine. In some cases, you might be maybe out in a much more active environment, or maybe you can make the learning environment a bit more active where people get to practice some kind of skill 
with feedback. So as you think about teaching, are you motivating action and are you helping people employ the skills that will result in positive accomplishment? And that's the empowerment. So inspire and empower. Yeah, this ties in beautifully with one of my favorite talks of all time given by Elder Dellen H. Oaks at the time, now President Oaks, back in 2000 in General Conference called The Challenge to Become. You know, it's one thing to be inspired to become by learning the why and the, the what and the, the who, but it's, it's empowering when you learn the how. How do I put all those things into practice and actually become more of that person that I was intended to become, more like the Savior in the process? And one other thing that, that I wanted to share here with regards to learning now is something, again, that, that Elder Neil A. Maxwell shared many years ago. He called it the four E's of learning. So, these are the four E's that I, if I'm going to take full responsibility for my, for my learning and growth and development and discipleship, I'm going to be visiting all four of these. So, he says, we learn from people explaining the gospel to us. We learn from explanation definitions and descriptions. We can learn from exhortations where people are inviting us, imploring us to do things, giving us these invitations to act and to move forward. We, we can learn from those exhortations as well as the explanations. And he said, in the church we tend to come down heavily on these first two. We spend a lot of time in those areas, and, and rightly so. The third way that we can learn is by example. So we can see case studies, we can see stories, we can see examples played out of people either living or not living a principle of the gospel, and we can see the outcomes, and we can, we can learn from those examples and then apply them in our own life in relevant ways that, that would fit our circumstance. The fourth E of learning is the one that Taylor's been emphasizing this whole time, is we learn from our own experiences. We experience these things that we've learned in a classroom or a study session or setting, and that's where the deepest growth and development and the, and the most profound lifelong lessons become rooted in our soul and they become a part of us. And quite frankly, all of these, they're just means to an end. Those are just motivations for us as learners to then go out of that classroom or out of that sacrament meeting or general conference or personal study or family study session to then go and experience the gospel ourselves, because that's where the deepest learning is going to be the most lasting and impactful. This word contains one of my most favorite words in language, the word per, okay? In its most ancient meaning, it means to attempt to try or to risk. Now think about what happens when you go have an experience. You are attempting or trying something and you're risking possible failure. There's so many words in our language that are derived from this word. For example, if you want to be an expert at living the gospel, 
you need to run experiments on testing gospel principles, which will give you experience. You might also notice there's a word that we're all familiar with, is fear. It turns out this word fear is actually related to the same word because when you have to go out and cross or ford some into some new experience, there is fear that's involved that it might not work out. I don't know what I'm getting into. God set up the entire plan of salvation for us to go experience life, and sometimes fear happens. But ultimately, God has said, if you trust in me, you don't need to fear, and you can cross those rivers of challenge to get to new vistas of experience that lead you closer to God. So ultimately, everything that's been going on in gospel learning is ultimately about experiencing God's love as we live the gospel principles. These are all nice things, but we all can agree at the end of the day, we really want people to live the gospel, to experience God's love in our lives. So as we conclude this first of two episodes this week, we wanted to finish with a scripture from the New Testament, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the master teacher as well as the master learner, the best student and the best uh, teacher in all history. He says here in Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30, which is, I think, his invitation to all of us this year as we engage with a deep and serious and long study of his life, his mission, his ministry, his infinite atonement, his mercy and his grace, and then how he guides his church through living prophets and apostles in the second half of the New Testament. Here's his invitation to all of us that is as relevant and urgent and true today as it was back for the Israelites who heard this from his, from his own mouth. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Nobody knows how the Lord is going to fulfill those promises for you and your loved ones this year, but the promise is sure. If you as a learner will take responsibility for that learning and dedicate serious effort and time, whatever that looks like in, in your world, to learning about the Lord, learning of him through this deep study of the New Testament this year, that your burdens will be made lighter. You will feel the power of him being in that yoke with you, lifting up and helping propel you forward on the covenant path and to give you inspiration to stay faithful forever. So to just repeat that one little promise as we close this episode, learn of me is his is his petition, and the blessing is, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. That is true. And we leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Know that you're loved. And spread light and goodness. Thank you.